0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. If you haven't already, please be sure to check out our website, countrymusicmademe.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes and also sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date on all of our upcoming guests and also receive exclusive content like an acoustic performance from today's guest, Sarah Beth Tate. Just head over to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button. You can also find us on any streaming platform, so if streaming is your thing, just head over to your favorite, search Country Music Made Me, and give us a follow there as well. On today's episode, we are excited to welcome singer-songwriter Sarah Beth Tate. Now, her journey in Nashville began at the age of 14 when she asked her parents for a trip to Music City for her birthday to attend a songwriter's workshop. Now that turned into a publishing deal, and over high school, she traveled back and forth before making the official move at the age of 17. Now things really exploded in 2020 with the release of her single, Long Way, and she is getting set to release her new EP, For My Own Good, in June. So please enjoy our conversation with Sarah Beth Tate.
1: It's definitely been a much longer journey than just, you know, the TikTok thing that I think um, some fans and followers might just be like, oh, yeah, we, you know, we hopped on and started following you after Longway came out. And that's what we know. And it's just so it's so funny that there's just been so much before that, that,
0: you know, has happened. So, yeah, exactly. And I want to go back to three years old when yeah. i believe your love of music formed and now hopping on the piano with your grandma before you yeah. talk about that experience and what that meant for your love of music now tell me about your grandma and the person yeah. she was and what she meant to you and how she inspired you not only musically but as a person in general along your journey
1: yeah she um she just was always it's interesting she's never nobody in my family really was like a vocalist or a songwriter or, or any of that, but there was just, um, she, she, my grandma was, was kind of that one, um, sitting at the piano, just always bringing music into the house. And so she would come over and just sit at the piano and just play for hours. And it like, it was just always filling the room. And so what was so special was, um, you know, just kind of watching her. And she had all these old school songs that she loved to play. And um, it just kind of made me go, okay, I think, I, you know, when you're that little, I think a lot of people just didn't start maybe doing piano lessons, maybe their parents made them or something. But yeah. it was just so fun to be able to um, kind of hop up there with her. I think I probably felt like I was uh, cool trying you know trying to learn something and so i think my parents walked in one day and saw me um like setting her sheet music up but it was like upside down oh,
0: okay. and so the
1: sheet music's like upside down and i'm like pretending to read it and they're like i think we should get her lessons so um it was it was a really special i, th- I think it um helps me bond with her a little bit too i mean it was just a fun thing to be able to um, you know, hear her and kind of emulate that when I was little. And uh yeah, it was just really special looking back to see the those pictures of where I'm like hopping up next to her. So
0: and I saw you mention your grandpa Willie, who served in the military. Now is he someone that you had a chance to know as well throughout your journey?
1: Um yes, yes. He actually just recently passed away um last year. Um and he uh he and my grandma were separated. So she was the one who played piano. Um, those are my mom's parents. Um, and yeah, he served and, uh, my, my brother ended up, um, enlisting. Um, gosh, I guess that was 2020. I'm getting my years mixed up now <laughs> yeah. after 2020 to 2021, but, exactly. um, anyways, yeah, my brother ended up, um, enlisting, uh, I think last year and he's national guard now in Colorado um, so yeah, we, we've got a little bit of the military thing going on and, um, uh, yeah, my whole family's just honestly, I've had great relationships. Like my, they're all just so supportive and sweet and, um, we're all super close. So.
0: And with your brother enlisting, I saw him mention how impactful your journey has been on him and you chasing your dreams, but for you as well, his journey of being someone who steps in to help protect the country. How do you sort of inspire each other within this journey? Do you think?
1: Yeah, that that was really sweet. I know he um, he and I talked about that a lot during during that time that he he started that because you know I've been I've been kind of on this journey in a sort of my whole life, but in a way, really started seriously when I was about fourteen. And obviously, he and I are really close for fourteen months apart, um, and we've always been close in age and just close in general. And he, um, he's just watched, you know, this whole journey of mine from the time we were kids in school, you know, and right. I was leaving school to come to Nashville. And um, he's just kind of watched that almost our whole life together. And um, it was really special, because I think he I think he does look up to that in a way. And I really looked up to him chasing his dream, too, because he's, he's wanted to list enlist in the military since gosh, I, I think I remember him telling us that maybe when he was 15. So the both of us kind of just had these like really, um, really strong, like convictions early on in our lives. And um, it's just the two of us in in our family. You know, um, there's just four of us, my, my brother and I, my mom and dad. So right. it's it's been really special for us both to kind of cheer each other on and, and just admire each other because um, we've gotten to see a few of those dreams come true. So it's been
0: really cool. And tell me about your parents and the type of people they are to raise two kids who have this drive within them to just chase their dreams, no matter what.
1: They are amazing. I don't know what I'm like, what did you like put in our Cheerios when we were little? Like what? <laughs> my brother and I were like, we're going to do this, this, and this um they are just they're the best parents ever um again just incredibly supportive we we were never um we were never really pushed into anything like I was I was never pushed into music like I said my parents nobody in my my family was like songwriter vocalist um musical and you know we like I said my grandpa Willie was in the military but it's not like my parents never pushed either of these things onto us. You know, it was just, it was, it was one of those things where I think they just encouraged once we kind of spoke up about things that we wanted. I just think that there was this sense of like, yes, you can do that. Like if you set your mind to this and you put work into this, you know, you can do that. And so I think that we both just kind of grew up thinking that anything that we wanted to be, as long as we, um, worked really hard you know we could have that and so that's probably how I ended up you know moving to Nashville at 17 like I'm it's like a little bit crazy right I mean I'm like yeah. anybody thinking that they can make it in the music industry we're all a little bit crazy but at the same time if you never really believe that you can do something you know you're probably never going to do that thing and so I, I just think we had a really great support system all the time um and also just just letting us know too that um it was okay to not do this. I mean it was always just like we're here, we're supportive just because you want to do it. And anything I would have picked, they would have been just just as supportive as. So wow.
0: And the songwriting I think I saw kind of blossomed for you in middle school. But I think yeah. I also read that there was a song when you were six. Now, were yeah. you writing back then at the age of six? You
1: know. There, it is framed in my parents' house, and like this has ended up in like every bio that I've ever had. I'm like, I don't know how we are like considering this a song. Right. It is, it is a poem, and there was a melody to it, so it is a song. <laughs> there, it doesn't really make a whole ton of sense, but it is framed in my parents' guest bathroom, and um, yeah, it was a it was a real song, and you know what, my brother was in karate lessons. I remember this actually very distinctly my brother's in karate lessons and I was not. And I was like bummed about not being able to like do karate in the boys class. Okay. And I was sitting out in my little like purple journal, like just like writing things. So there you go. I, I don't remember exactly the melody, but I know that I was singing something with it. So
0: that's hilarious. And so at the age of six, when you were writing that poem song, Was it more of a poem or did you already have that musicality within you that was sort of thinking within the songwriting mindset?
1: You know, I mean, who, like, who knows what I was actually thinking, but I I do, like I said, I mean, I do remember like there being, there were melodies. I mean, there was like, again, very elementary, terrible, whatever, but I, but you know, there must've been something that I saw, um, you know, in artists out in the world and people just on the radio and whatever, there must've just been something in me kind of going, Oh, people are doing this and I'm going to do this, you know? And so that could have started and ended there. But as, as just, you know, my love of music grew as I got older, I think it just kind of started being something where it was like, Oh no wait like people do this as a career and you know maybe I can get better and and do this you know for my life and it's funny cuz I look back at even the even the songs when I was 14 I'm like what was happening like why did anyone let me like share these songs ever um but you know everybody starts somewhere and I think that you know even if it's elementary at the time it's the, it's like you said it's the fact that you're kind of putting these things together you're putting the words and the melodies together yeah and at some point if something's clicking like eventually as that grows and you learn from other songwriters and you learn from the music that you listen to as you kind of grow and develop like eventually something kind of clicks with those things and the music starts getting better and then you get like one halfway decent song and you're like that was like kind of good. Maybe I could do like another thing, you know? Right. Um. And I think, and then especially when other people start recognizing that in you too, then you just kind of like get this fire going.
0: Right. Yeah. And now one of the turning points was when your piano teacher loaned you a guitar or gave you a guitar, however that worked, and you started yeah. playing that. Now, before that, when you were playing the piano, Is that what sparked your love of music or was it more just like country music that you were listening to and then jumping on the guitar when you really got that feeling that made you want to dive more into music?
1: Yeah, I I always say that 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 guitar moment was was kind of pivotal back in, um, you know, middle school SBT phase because the piano, um, you know, obviously started when I was little take lessons all through school. And, um, a lot of the lessons that I took were much more formal, um, okay. I'm glad not formal, um, not formal in that I was like super classical, like knew everything that I was doing, but I was, you know, reading the sheet music, playing whatever songs the teacher put in front of me. Um, and I'm grateful that I learned how I'm grateful that I learned how to read music. Um, that was a great thing that came out of that. Right. But I do think that, you know, I, I kind of got to that um, age where country music is what I was listening to. So I started diving into country music, like sonically and on the radio and uh, and just diving back um, with, you know, albums and country records. And so when, when I went to a piano lesson and they weren't letting me play that, it was kind of like, okay, well, you know, I want to I want to do something. I want to do commercial music. And so um, my life on the piano had not been that way. And so what happened is I had this amazing um, piano teacher who did start letting me play the fun songs. And what went from so there were songs that I was like, I just I want to I want to be able to play these. I want to be able to sit in my bedroom and play these. I want to be able to like write and the main thing is, is I want to be able to like go portable. Like I want to be able to take this guitar and just go wherever. Right. Yeah. And at least on the piano I was on, that wasn't like a keyboard. It's like, I can't do that. I don't want to always be having to sit at this piano and learn songs. And so anyways, my parents were like, we don't know that you're even going to like the guitar. So we don't want to go buy this guitar that you're never going to play. So. Anyways, they were like, well, you know, maybe if she'll lend you hers for a little while, we can like see if you're into this. And so, oh, okay. Um, my piano teacher lent me a guitar and uh, she taught me, I think, maybe one or two chords. And then what happened is, like, I had it for about a week. And by the time I gave it back to her, I'd taught myself, like, I don't know, 10 chords. And I was like, I was like trying to play songs already. Right, and she, I, I like didn't even wait for her to teach me anything. I was just like, <laughs> okay, I've Googled like all these chords and all these songs that I need to know. And, you know, country music is like, they say three chords and the truth. It's pretty much like yeah. we need to know four chords and then we can kind of elaborate on that. So I learned the main chords and I was like, okay, you know, I don't even know that I need lessons. I'm about to teach myself 24 seven all the time. And so that was kind of where when I could, listen to a country song and try to figure out how to play it and then figure out, Oh, these are the chords they use. Maybe I can, you know, figure out a different progression with these chords and write my own melody. I mean, that's where it just really like opened up
0: for me. And what was the song first song you ever learned front to back?
1: Oh my gosh. I think it was, um, Paramore. It was the, you are my, uh, you're the only exception, I think okay you remember that song
0: um I um, don't remember the title but I would know it because I know Paramore's stuff if I hear it but I
1: think it's called I think it's called the only exception
0: okay and it's
1: like a little I, I, it's so funny I don't even remember like the chorus of the song off the top of my head but I remember sitting and learning the chords for that song.
0: that's funny that it wasn't a country song your first oh, it song wasn't. You
1: I know it was popular at the time and it was um there was some type of like I don't know. It was like a really simple, um, like strum strumming pattern and stuff. And I just remember I heard it. It was like just everywhere at the time. And I was like, I think that sounds like I could play that on guitar. So I'm looking it up, trying to figure it out. So that's
0: hilarious. And so what age was that when you first picked up the guitar?
1: I think that was, I was probably 12 or 13. Um, I think I was probably about 12. I'm trying to remember like, Grades and age now. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so far out of school. I'm like, how old was I in the, you know, sixth grade or
0: whatever? Right. Um,
1: but no, I was probably about 12 when that all started happening.
0: How quickly did it escalate then that at 14, you go to your parents and you say, for my birthday, I want to go to Nashville because there's a songwriting conference that I want to attend? Like, at the age of 14, you're already thinking like that. So, within those two-ish years of learning the guitar and starting to dive into it like where were your emotions going at that point within music
1: yeah it's it's funny it's like I guess I just kind of had that personality where I, I was one I had a uh, kind of an intense personality once I set my mind to something but also like I'm a little typing with stuff like that but also um you know I was like 12 13 14 I was also just like you know, naive and crazy, but I knew I had figured out, I spent a couple of years really diving way back into country music. So I was, I was going like way classic country music, like Loretta and Sammy and just, just country music history was like, I was just listening to, I was like listening to Kitty Wells at one point, like just all the way back. Um, And I, I had just learned enough about just, through Googling about country music and songwriters and all this, I just knew that Nashville was where you had to be. Right. So the more that I looked into Nashville, I'm like, okay, well, what am I going to do when I get, what am I going to do? Just like ask my parents to go there and just show up and like sit in a hotel room in Nashville. So I knew enough to know that I needed to figure out some type of a starting point. And NSAI was that starting point for me because, um, they have so many resources for people who are just getting to Nashville, learning about this industry. And also, you know, people who have been here forever. I mean, we can all learn something. And so they had a songposium going on where, um, you know, you could just kind of take different classes um, day by day. And they had a week going on and uh, it was September and it was my birthday month anyway. So I brought it to my parents like a whole proposal and I was like, we need to go to Nashville, but this is why. And it's for my birthday. So that's all I want for my birthday. And, um, so yeah, it honestly escalated pretty quickly from the time that I started diving in to when all of this happened. But again, um, you know, the, the publishing deal kind of, kind of came out of nowhere anyways. So it was like, I didn't even know what I was doing, but I was starting this whole thing.
0: And had you ever performed before that trip at 14
1: I think I had done um like a couple open mic nights in my hometown Um, I'm from Fort Collins Colorado so we don't have a well the music scene there is getting a there's a lot more venues and stuff now than than I really had access to at the time but um but growing up there was really only a couple places um we didn't have writers rounds and all that kind of stuff like Nashville does. So right. um, I played a couple open mic nights in our like old town, Fort Collins. And I think I did like a middle school talent show and, you know, that kind of stuff, but no, I really had not been on, on a, on a massive stage. Um, I think I, I did a festival called the Greeley stampede back home um, when I was probably 15. And that was, one of the bigger stages I'd been on at that point, so I started kind of kind of getting out there and figuring it out but but no, it was kind of like a little bit cart before the horse, like out right. of nowhere
0: and so when you went to Nashville at fourteen, did you have a mindset of wanting to be an artist, or were you more focused on being a songwriter because that's sort of what you knew from doing your research, and that's maybe how you were going to make a career in nashville
1: yeah, i I always I knew that I wanted to be the singer of the songs. Um, I also knew that I wanted to write them, but I, I definitely always had that artist um, mentality coming here. And it's so funny because I barely knew what a publishing deal was, but I knew that that was a starting point for me. And so I remember being on the plane out here going, I'm going to like just go out there and get a publishing deal. And it's like, that's what happened. But it's like so funny because I think that probably one of the only reasons that happened is because I was so naive that I just like thought that could happen. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, always, I always kind of saw songwriting and, and singing in my artistry as a package, package deal.
0: So at 14, you talk about being naive. So when you're offered a publishing deal... Do you remember what was going through your mind? Was it like, I've made it. Yes, I've done oh my it. Gosh. Like, this is it. I,
1: yes, this is it. I've done it. I'm going to be on the CMAs like next year. Like, it was like, I've done it. And my poor parents were like, what's a publishing deal? And I'm like, you guys, it's fine. Like, we, this is, we're making it. Like, just let me do this. You know, right. I was like, I was like, what do you mean? You don't know what a publishing deal is. Like, I've been telling you this, um, so it was hilarious. My, my dad like, was trying to read industry books and figure out what I was even talking about. And um, they were just so supportive. And it really was like, I just thought, oh my gosh, this is the first step. This happened so quickly. That yeah. Everything else will just happen like bing, 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 bing. I mean, I thought within, like, I, I thought by the time I was 18, I would be an absolute superstar. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I mean... Good positivity but you know <laughs> a lot learned since then.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. As you've gone along this journey and starting at 14 and feeling like you're on top of the world and now 10 years later and you know just kind of moving through the paces of being an artist like many people do is it difficult yeah. not to get jaded within this yes. industry and within this career?
1: Yes, I I think honestly I think that If I were saying that I wasn't on some level jaded, I'd be lying. Um, It's just, it's a really long journey and it is forever. Even the people that you think it's an overnight success, there is so much that goes on before that. And so, yeah, there's just so many times where you go, what am I even doing? Like what, you know, Am I even on the right path? What if I've spent like my whole life doing this and I'm on the wrong track? You know, and I, the truth is, is I think all of us have that to some extent, um, and it is hard not to go. Oh my gosh, I've been doing this for so long, and it, it's funny because you get all of these little victories that keep you going, and so you get. And I've learned now that one of those victories does not mean. That you're gonna sit on the mountaintop forever. Like that's the difference. Is I used to think, oh, if I just get this one thing, then it'll be smooth sailing after that. Right. Yeah. And what I've what I've learned now is that I think even once you get, you know, some of the best victories in this industry and you're winning awards and you're having number one, I think that even once you get there, there's dips. And there's disappointments and there's just, I think it's just always this ebb and flow. Um, and I've gotten just really settled into being okay with that and enjoying, really just enjoying the music and enjoying what I do. And um, so many things that I look back, like things that seem like no big deal to me now I just try to sit and go, Oh my gosh, when I was 16, I would have absolutely died to have this opportunity. And, um, that's, that's where I try to, the space that I try to live in now is like every little thing is really a victory and there's always going to be, you know, I'm always going to feel like I need to get to another level. Um, and I just think we all have that all the time. And so you just have to start enjoying where you're at and, Um, you know, and then when you level up, it's, it's great, but.
0: And so when you look back on a 17 year old girl jumping in her Chevy Silverado to drive across the country, I think you mentioned those 20 hours from home to Nashville. When you think about that girl and driving away from home, ready to take this journey, what do you think now that you look back on that?
1: Oh my gosh. It, it, it's. It's so wild. I'm like, oh, my gosh, how much she didn't know about everything and how how this would all all go over, the, you know, course of what, seven, eight years since I've lived here. Um, And but at the same time, I just like I'm so glad that at that point when I was doing that drive and coming out here and moving into that little apartment, like I'm so glad that I had. um just the optimism and a little bit of the naive um, factor there too, because I think that, you know, that's really what gets you here is just believing that you need to be here. And it's a little bit crazy all the time, but I'm so glad that that version of me got here and started this and did that because I've learned so much. And then, and then you kind of grow from there and learn a lot and maybe get like a little bit jaded but it's fine (laughs) and then um you know but it's like I never would have gotten here without a little bit of that um crazy optimism um and yeah that's how that's how we all end up here to begin with (laughs)
0: And now we talk about family members that have helped get you to where you are, but that Chevy Mm -hmm. Silverado, I believe you sold it in September of 2020, stayed with you for many years. And so tell me about that truck and some of the memories. I think I saw that there was a mailbox that maybe had seen better (laughs) days after you got done with it.
1: You know, everything about my life. I get so much about that mailbox all the time. My brother will not let the mailbox incident go. I had to bake some muffins for a co-writer of mine because I he claims that it was already like going down the chute. I'm like, no, it's because the Silverado like hit the mailbox. <laughs> um anyway, there was one mailbox casualty, but um, other than that, it was the best truck in the world. I was an absolute wreck when I sold it. I got to the point where. Um, I knew that it wasn't going to last forever. And I like, I needed to sell it just so that I could like get the money from it, that it was worth and move on. Right. And I met, my husband was with me. We met this couple, um, the, the, the nicest man bought that truck for me and we met in like a Walmart parking lot. And I thought that I was going to be able to pull it together when I actually handed it over. And I could not, I was crying the whole way there. And I was like, you got to pull it together before you like see these people. And they, I couldn't, I was a wreck. Like that truck had been just through everything with me. And it was so funny The the sweet, sweet couple who bought it, they were like, are you okay? Like, are you sure that you want to do this? And I'm like, take it, take it away. Like it was just, my husband was like, what are you doing? Like, come on.
0: (laughs) And so are we ever gonna hear a song about it? Are you yeah. ever gonna write hey, something?
1: You know, Morgan Wallen did already do the title Silverado, so that one's out of uh, the running, but yeah, right. we, we, gotta have, we gotta have another uh, truck title here coming up. So
0: That's hilarious. And now as far as, as your performing goes, I think I heard you talk about open mic nights at Pockets every Thursday. Yes. Did I hear that correctly?
1: Yes, I did. Um, They Puckets and Leaper's Fork has the coolest mic night, um, open mic night. They, I honestly have not been there in years, so I don't know if they're still doing it the same way, but it was an absolute blast. Every Thursday night, um, my mom and I, back before I moved here, um, I was like 15. My mom and I would come out to Nashville and um, I was just making frequent trips and writing and whatever um and we would drive all the way out to Leaper's Fork like in the middle of nowhere and just they it's like small town but that pocket on open Mic night, night used to be just absolutely packed and so everyone would sign their names up on the list and you would wait for your turn and I would sometimes try out some original songs but I also just covered all these like super classic country songs and it was just it was honestly just a blast. Um, so I, and, and to it, let me get on a stage, you yeah. know, every week consistently. And there was ended up being friends the, you know, I started to kind of get to know all the people that were there every week and the people that worked there. And so it was kind of friendly faces and then some new faces that I got to just um start feeling more comfortable on stage. And so that was that was really huge, you know, coming to Nashville and kind of having that outlet every week that wasn't right in the heart of Nashville, you know, yeah. with people all the time. I mean, it was so special just to be able to get out of town and do that with people who were so kind. So
0: So in February of 2014, you played the Bluebird Cafe, I believe, yes. as part of yes. an ASCAP event. Now, yes. what did they mean for that early journey and allowing you to have some pretty big opportunities before you were even in that? Yes.
1: Okay, so what happened when I was 15, um, someone can fact check me on that. Um, I think I met, um, I think my first trip into the ASCAP office was when I was 15. And Leanne Phelan was working at ASCAP then. She is magical and um, just, Became really pivotal in my life, and um, she, she is who she is the face that I met at ASCAP when I went in there. Um, and and we ended up our relationship ended up surpassing ASCAP, and she became a, a manager for me when I was about 16. Oh, okay. Um, when she left ASCAP, and so she she really, um, in that position at ASCAP, just made so many things happen for me that just wouldn't have happened without meeting her, and so. Um, you know, she was one of those people along the way that really, um, which we all need somebody to look at you and go, I see it. I see what you're doing. And again, before it was probably very good. um, Those people early on who are like, no, I see something in there that really is special. And I want to give you this opportunity. I think um, it was either that round or one of the performances before it might've been at the basement. I did an abcap thing at the basement and um I Leanne had set me up for it and had never seen me play before oh really and, yes and I remember her being at that show and afterwards she's like oh my god you did so great like I was a little she was like I didn't even think about like setting you up for it and then you know but she'd never actually seen me before and so it was like oh thank goodness it worked out you know But she just saw something in me and without even thinking was like, I want you to do this, this and this, you know, without even without even a ton of experience or vetting me and all that. And so um, it was hugely pivotal.
0: And so in 2015, you released your debut single. He loves me. And that turned into your self-titled EP because of how well it was doing. The video was on CMT and doing well. So you decided to release more music. Now, when you look back on that yep. music now, what is sort of your memory of it and your feeling of it now that you've kind of gone on to release much more music since then?
1: Yes. I, what I remember from that time, like I, um, I'm really proud of I'm still proud of the people that I worked with at the time and how that all came about. And I remember being proud when we put that out. It's funny now because I look back and I go, Oh my God, like my vocal, like I just like cringe at like certain things. I'm just like, Oh my gosh. Like there's just things that I hate listening to my vocal on. Cause I feel like I've just grown exponentially since then. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, it's a snapshot of where I was at then and, and, weirdly enough I look at I look at streaming numbers now of he loves me and I'm like I didn't even realize how many people you know have heard that song by now it's it's crazy so it feels like forever ago and it feels it feels like a different version of my artistry I mean I feel like a different artist now than I was then um so in some ways it's like oh my gosh that's like not even me anymore but I do think that it shows this this journey, and I think that um, I'm proud of it for where I was at at the time, and I'm and I'm proud of the growth.
0: Yeah, and I ask a lot of artists this because this day and age, with TikTok, with social media, with American Idol and competitions, it feels like there's a lot of people who are trying to do this overnight and wanting to get this career overnight. And I ask a lot of artists, like, is that a smart thing yes it's cool to say I'm a country artist but is this journey a big part to being a country musician because it's important to find yourself because it's important to have those projects that aren't you now but it helped build you to where you are today
1: yes yes that is first of all it's a great question (laughs) and also it's a million times yes because I think that the only downside to, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would have, I would have loved to win American Idol. Um, that didn't happen for me. If, if I had been in a position where back when he loves me was coming out, if I had been in an overnight or quick success situation back when those songs were coming out, I don't know that I would have. Um, been able to really capitalize on that at the right. time yeah. because I, I think you, you only get so many of those big moments and I think the problem can be for people is that if that moment comes and it's a massive moment that you have to really hit if you don't know who you are musically and you haven't been you know in the writing room enough in the studio enough to be able to speak up and say no, this is really who I am. I'm not going in that direction. Um, it it kind of, I think can be really tough to figure out who you are that quickly um, and be able to represent that. And it's just that it's a journey that everyone takes. And I just think that um, sometimes if things happen really quickly, you just don't have the time to like figure that out. Yeah. Um, and so people kind of end up having to like scrambled to figure that out quickly. And so in some ways I am really grateful for, you know, all of the, all of the hits and misses that I've had that have let me, um, finally get to where I am now without like, you know, too many singles of, you know, not being me. I mean, obviously there's a lot of music out there now. Um, but, I, I was never pressured to put things out that didn't feel like me, or I was never in a position where I, um, you know, was at a record label wanting me to do something that wasn't me. And so right. as much as, um, I mean, I had a record deal offer when I was 18 that, um, didn't end up happening. And that was another situation where I felt like, oh my gosh, there's a, there's a record label offering me a contract. It's on the table. It's on paper. It's a you know, wasn't signed yet, but I'm going. They offered it to me. It's official, right? Yeah. And I've made it. You know, and this is what I I dream of, and I've made it. And that was when I was 18 years old, and it didn't end up happening. And it's like at the time that was so devastating. But really, when I look back, I'm like, I don't think that I was fully me yet. And if I had signed that deal then it's possible that I would have ended up in a contractual situation with the label releasing music that wasn't really what I wanted. And so I think, you know, going back to your question is the time to figure out really who you are and sonically what you want to sound like that, that time is precious, even though we all like hate it and are like (laughs) want something to happen quicker. And we all like, hate the waiting. Yeah, I just think if you're really being productive in your waiting period, it can end up being the most crucial time.
0: Right. And so the song that really hit well for you over the last couple of years is Long Way. That was September of 2020. Now you talk about being ready when that success comes. It feels like you set yourself up perfectly because from 2019 to now, you have released 11 singles, I believe, which is quite a bit of music. Like you've been turning it over quite quickly. And so, September 2019, Up All Night was your first single since your debut EP. It had been four years since you had released original music. And then you had Thick Skin and Happy Hour before you had Long Way that kind of exploded. And so was that the perfect time for you to have a song that really launched you and got eyeballs on you? Were you ready for that at that moment?
1: Yes. In some ways, in some ways I was very ready for that moment. I was not expecting that to happen. So the long way thing, um, really took me by surprise in general. Like I was not, um, expecting that to happen when I posted that song I was not thinking like oh this is the song that it's gonna be it I mean i would had that song in my pocket my team kind of knew that song I mean everybody around me had known that song for a while Um, okay and I had no expectation of that happening but I do think that when it did happen I was ready I had so many songs and so much that hadn't been released and so much that was just kind of on my heart and in my pocket and sitting you know, on demos on my phone and lyrics on my computer. And like, there was just so much there that I was, I was really ready when that happened and and new fans came on and new people found me and followed me. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like I have so much more to share with you now. Um, so that I do think in a lot of ways, because there was that four year gap of not putting anything out, like that, that really helped because by the time Longway was there, it was like, I have so many songs that I want to release. And so I really did try to stay on top of, you know, on top of a release schedule and like give right the last thing I wanted was for fans and followers to come on board and really be like, Sarah Beth Tate, we one, we love Longway, but we want to see what more you have and follow me. And then for there not to be more. Like for, for, to not feed that interest, I thought would be a mistake. And so I wanted to just always make sure that if you were somebody new that followed me, if you took any interest in me at all enough to click a follow button on any platform, I wanted to make sure that there was something new coming for you to, you know, listen to and maybe get on board with.
0: Right. And so as that is blowing up, And as you're seeing your numbers rise, tell me Mm -hmm. about American Idol and sort of the thought of trying out for that and going on that. What was sort of your mindset at that point?
1: Yeah, um, that was, it was interesting. It was a um, big decision for me. I'd never, I had never done the TV show thing, obviously. Um, And it wasn't necessarily a format that was that I thought was like my thing. Like I I had been doing the the more traditional Nashville route for so long. And um, obviously as a songwriter too, I know a lot of times on the shows you don't get the opportunity to show yourself as an artist, as a singer songwriter and an artist. And that way I always kind of felt like, you know, I don't know if that would be a good fit for me. Right. Um, yeah. And, on top of that I never vocally I'm not like a Carrie Underwood belting vocal um and so which is another thing I've I've kind of grown into and realized you know to stick to my wheelhouse and what I do and so I just kind of never I never was like dying to try out for American Idol and what happened is actually Leanne Phelan from ASCAP um does some work consulting for them and um she had reached out to me just saying you know I think that this year like you know obviously all of the shows and idol included has gone through different um phases of their lives too and and how they run things and how it is and she was like I just think that this year would be a good it's a good fit for you I think that you should should do it um And so I thought long and hard about whether or not I wanted to do it, but at the end of the day, and I ended up singing an original song for my audition that wasn't aired, but I, at the end of the day, when I was going into that audition, I had no idea if I was going to get through that initial audition, but I thought, you know, okay, if this does air, even if it's a no, even if it's, they show my audition and I get sent home, I thought, well, if I sing an original song for this, like any opportunity that's going to show a song of mine that I wrote and poured my heart into, if that's going to be seen by millions of people in any sense, then it'll be a win because all I'm doing is getting on to share my heart and share my song. So, right, yeah. um, that's really kind of what led me to do it was, was just thinking more about the listeners and the people at home watching the show. Um, you know, there's not a, there's not really a parallel in the industry where you get to directly be in the living room of that many listeners at one time. Yeah. Um, and that was something different that I hadn't had the opportunity to, to have before. Um, we go through a lot of gatekeepers and a lot of steps in Nashville, that <laughs> it kind of felt like, okay, like screw all the steps for a second. I just want to sing to, you know, fans and listeners and people who are watching in our living room. So that kind of, that kind of really is what motivated me on
0: there. And so the experience in general, once it happened, I mean, unfortunately, your audition wasn't shown. And then I saw a, a picture of you talking about the difficulty of the competition. And you were like yeah. in the hallway, just like bawling. And so yes. talk about the experience after it happened and were were you happy with it, I guess, or was it a very challenging process?
1: You know, it was, it was more challenging than I expected in different ways. I knew it was going to be, you know, hard, obviously even just schedule wise, but also just the competition factor. That's another thing that I'm not really used to in Nashville, um, there there's some level of competition in the music industry in general but we don't really focus on that in town yeah. when you're just doing you know we're all supportive and it doesn't really feel like a competition yeah um so that I, I knew that there would be some hard hard things about that but hollywood week was so grueling i was not prepared i was i was really not prepared i know that they talk about it being like boot camp right um but I was just, yeah, I was not, um, like my mind and my body were not ready for like the exhaustion and, you know, skipping meals and, um, just that it was just a lot. And, and to the pressure, I mean, you're singing in front of Katy Perry and Luke Bryan and Lionel Richie. It's like, talk about, and you know, that it's being filmed for millions of people. right? So it's like, it's not just like getting up singing for a bunch of country music fans that are like having a blast. I mean, that's fun, you know? And this felt like, you know, it wasn't as fun like getting on stage. I mean, it was like, we were all so nervous. People are like ready to puke side stage. Oh
0: wow. And so
1: that whole setting was just so different for me that I was just like, I was out of my element, which is fine because I think it's really good all this to say, I think it was a great experience because anything that gets you out of your comfort zone like that is a good thing. Like, I'm very glad that I did it because, um, because it's something that I hadn't done before. I mean, like you never want to look back and go, well, what if I had done this TV show and won and got, you know, I mean, you always wonder. So I was really glad to have done it, but I was like, I'm not in Nashville anymore. Like we were in boot camp, and I'm like, what is happening? I mean, it was like, that picture was at like 4am. And we had like skipped dinner, I hadn't eaten in like, hours and hours and hours and hours. And then we'd been on like, we'd already been there for three nights. So every night, you're only getting like, even the nights that weren't all nighters, we were only getting like three or four hours of sleep. So it's like, it all kind of piles up. And you're already like, it's already catching up to you. And then there's like this all nighter before duet round. And I was to the point where like, I already was like unwell before this. right? (laughs) And then they sprung that on me. And I was just like, Oh my God. So it was a lot. Um, Kaylin Robertson was my, um, duet partner and she was an absolute angel. She was like on the struggle bus too, but I really like melted down that night. So, um, anyways, I'm grateful for all the friends that I met. All the other contestants were just, So sweet and kind and amazing. The contestants, like nobody makes it feel like a competition at all. So that part was really fun.
0: That's awesome. And so coming off that experience, I believe we have an EP coming in June, right?
1: Yes. Okay,
0: so you've released a lot of music like we've talked about over the past couple of years. So are you packaging songs that have been released or is this going to be a mix of songs we've heard and some songs we haven't?
1: So the latest two singles are part of the EP. So Boy and Cowboy that I just put out April 15th and Mother's Daughter that I did kind of for Mother's Day this year, um, just a few weeks ago, they are both on the EP um i wanted to make sure that by the time ep release day comes there is actual new music (laughs) i know we all have to do this a certain way um industry-wise but i i always you know i know as a fan and a listener i know how it feels to look forward to a record coming out and then like every single song on the record you've already heard yeah there's like one new song on the record So it was really important to me. I was, so there's three new songs coming and then two that you've already. So, um, I, I wanted to make sure that there was like at least a solid chunk of brand new stuff that, um, has never been released before so that there's still some hype for June. So, (laughs) um, so I'm very excited. And in some ways it feels like, I know we talked about, I had the self-titled EP, um, long ago yeah but it really feels like this in some ways feels like my first EP um it's obviously been a long time and um I, I think I, I put on my announcement too it's like the first like studio recorded I mean we went in this time around is the first time that I've gone in and done this many songs but they live like players everyone there in real time creating these songs having them come to life all together, um, and that whole experience, like, really, is the first time that I've I've recorded this way and had this um, full project of music come out this way. So I'm very excited.
0: That is awesome. And one last thing, I'll ask you before I let you go. So I saw your mom post um post a comment on one of your posts, and just talking about how proud she was, and she talked about your resilience when the rug is pulled out from under you and that the wind has rarely been at your back. It's been a push ever since you arrived in Nashville. So when you think back to comments like those and the last 10 years of this career and where you started and and where you've come to, what is your thought on this whole journey?
1: Oh man, that's that's such a good question. And yeah, I mean, she is right about that. There's been, um, there's been a few times that I felt like I, you know, about giving up really. Um, I mean, it always, it always has felt, there's always been, like I said, a little victory of some kind in everything that's made me feel like I need to keep, keep going. And I'm meant to be here. Um, and so really overall, there has just, there's been so many ups and downs and like some disappointing things. Like I talked about like record deals that didn't work out, publishing deals that didn't work out. Um, you know, I got sent home on American Idol, all these things that seem like disappointments. Um, and maybe we're at the time, it's like, there's just always this little bit of victory and hope that just makes me feel like I can do this and I can keep going and um, I think that there's just a little place in country music for me. I, I mean, I'm just, a am a fan of everybody putting out music in this genre right now. And I'm a fan of all of the classic country artists who've got us all here. And, um, I just think that there's, you know, maybe just a little niche for me that, um, I can fill and that maybe fans want to hear and, um, I just, lately I just focus on that and putting music out that people want to, want to listen to and maybe that, that hasn't been heard before. And, um, yeah, and I'm just honestly really enjoying this whole ride and where I'm at and, you know, someday I hope we strike it really, really big and we'll be looking back on days like this and, um, but until then I'm just so content, like, and excited putting out every every song I get to put out and that somebody connects with I just it's like that's all just a win in and of itself
0: thank you once again so much for listening and thank you to Sarah Beth for stopping by and sharing her story be sure to check out her new EP for my own good when it is released in June Please also be sure to check out our website, countrymusicmademe.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes and also sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content like an acoustic performance from Sarah Beth Tate. Just head over to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button. You can also find us on any streaming platform, of course. So if streaming is your thing, just head over to your favorite, search countrymusicmademe and give us a follow there as well. Thank you once again so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me.